Hello, and welcome to episode 11 of the Movie Brats podcast. I am Carter, and joining me, as always, is Jonathan. Uh, and we are going to have a discussion of a couple movies we saw recently. Uh, Can You Ever Forgive Me? And Boy Erased. But first, we are going to uh, have a quick reaction to the Golden Globe nominations, which just came out on Thursday. Uh, we can start off with the nominees for Best Motion Picture Drama, which are Black Klansman, Black Panther, Bohemian Rhapsody, If Beale Street Could Talk, and A Star Is Born. Right off the bat, I think there's a weird thing about this nominations is that I feel like everybody was considering A Star Is Born to be a musical. Well, it's not, but in other years it would have been in that category, like Walk the Line, stuff exactly, like that. Yeah. <laughs> usually gets nominated, and Bohemian Rhapsody, both of them exactly. in other years. And then why is, well, I mean, it's the question of, like, why is Vice a comedy, and can Black you ever forgive me a drama? drama? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's like... It's like last year, Three Billboards was in one category, and I, Tanya was in another, and to me, they're both black comedy dramas. That's why the whole distinction between drama and comedy just makes no sense whatsoever, and why musical and comedy are grouped together, as if they were, like, the same thing. The Golden Globes is just, like, the stupidest awards ceremony. Like, it's, like, unfathomable how stupid these nominations are. Well, I mean, uh, a couple of years ago, well, more than that, there was uh, The Tourist was nominated for Best Actor and Actress in a Comedy, and Johnny Depp was also nominated for Alice in Wonderland, and that was just trying to get the stars to the awards ceremony. I mean, and they've shown before that the people that actually vote on these awards, it's like a very, very small group. And it's a very strange group. It's like the Hollywood Foreign Press Association, who I don't even know who those people actually are. Like, Black Panther is a drama, like, in what world is Black Panther, like, a drama that's on the same level as if Beale Street could talk? It's just, it's so strange. It's obvious they're just, like, looking for, like, attention and people to, you know, click on articles about the Hollywood Foreign Press Association. It's just so weird to me, though. Well, it's clearly not a musical or a comedy. I mean, it, it's an action well, film yeah, first but and like, then a drama. <laughs> would you nominate it as the best drama of the year if you were having an award ceremony? Well, no, because I hate the film myself. <laughs> but if I was going to put it in one of the two categories, I'd obviously put it. I mean, they're not going to. I mean, it's either they I were not like going to nominate Vice it. Vice is just but, as funny as Black Panther. I mean, Black Panther has jokes in it. Like, what makes. Well, we Black don't Panther... know. I mean, <laughs> that's I mean, true. Yeah. You Vice seen Green might Room, not be uh, funny Green at Book all. either. Exactly. That's another weird part how they come out this time of the year. It's like December 6th. Most Americans haven't seen like half of these movies. Well, it doesn't matter for the, you know, the people that see the. Well, I think there are times where the people haven't actually even seen the film and they're just like, oh, Ridley Scott, all the all the money in the world. Look how much effort he's putting into correcting the movie. I don't know how many of them had actually seen the or if even it was finished who knows if <laughs> yeah, it was finished real. yeah i know but um i mean i don't understand the nominations coming out when i don't think anyone has seen the mule yet clint eastwood's film which comes no, out in about yeah. two weeks i like but, i bet um, nobody's seen like i guess vox lux came out in like festivals but like it hadn't released anywhere i'm aware of i mean right it, it came out this past weekend i think okay 
And then musical yeah. comedy is Crazy Rich Asians, The Favorite, Green Book, Mary Poppins Returns, and Vice. The Mary Poppins Returns, no one has seen that. Like, how is that no, even the, nominated? The critics have seen it, but not, the reviews haven't come out yet. Okay, it's embargoed. It's just Vice, so, yeah. Vice Mary Poppins. yet. Well, I mean, the thing about making comments on this, we really shouldn't because we haven't seen, like, three-fourths of these films. Oh, I know. It's just a reaction to the it coming out, though. Which well, the biggest snub to me was that first Reformed wasn't nominated for anything. Yeah, and and especially when you split it between the categories, they should have gotten love for. I mean, I would have nominated it for best picture, director, actor, screenplay. Yeah, I was hoping at least it would get a screenplay nomination, but I don't know. It's like every single year there seems to be. Well, that's some another one. Is mo- Roma is nominated for best director and best screenplay, but it's not nominated for best picture. They said that's because at the Golden Globes, foreign language films are not eligible. Oh, in so it's the counted major... as a foreign language movie? Right. But oh, at the Oscars, okay. of course, it will get nominated for Best Picture almost definitely. But that's weird um, to me. A Netflix movie can count as a foreign language. Yeah, that's how the Golden Globes does it, though. It's just anything in a foreign language is a foreign language movie. Um, right. The We don't need to go through every single uh, category, but oh, I no. – uh, I just think it's interesting. I was really glad to see uh, the young woman from eighth grade nominated for uh, best actress in a musical or comedy. Yeah. Uh, that was really good. Elsie Fisher. Uh huh. And Olivia Coleman, obviously, uh, she got nominated. I mean, I've only actually seen uh, Black Klansman, Black Panther, A Star Is Born, The Favorite. Um, yeah, I mean, Boy Erased. Can you ever forgive me? I've seen yeah. The Wife. And there's a lot of these that haven't come out yet. I've seen The Old Man and the Gun. Robert Redford was nominated. Yeah. And that's another one where someone on Twitter was like, wait, was that a comedy? Well, <laughs> yeah. it's like if it has a couple jokes in it, it's a comedy, which is why to me, Black Panther is just as much of a comedy as like Black Klansman is. Like, I'm really and, sorry. and Melissa or, McCarthy's nominated in drama, and that's a com- comedy drama. I mean, oh, no doubt about it. I'd put that as a comedy over in drama for sure. Yeah. I mean, it's. <laughs> I mean, I always question my favorite film of the century so far, Synecdoche, New York. Is that a comedy? Is is it a drama? Is it a comedy well, that's drama? That's why the whole, like, making it a binary is really stupid because, like, most good movies are both comedies and dramas now. Like, there are very few very serious movies that don't have, like, dark comedy in them. Well, I mean, that's been throughout the history of cinema. There's been films that are both funny and dramatic. I, yeah. I mean, Billy Wilder, almost all of his films are serious and funny. Yeah, both, like, you know, exactly. That's a perfect It's Sunset Boulevard. Even like Martin Scorsese, like Goodfellas is a funny movie, but it's not a comedy. Right. Like, I don't think Tarantino's ever made a film I'd classify as a comedy, but I wonder if his films were ever in the comedy category. Like, is Jackie, I think Jackie Brown was in the comedy section the year it was nominated. Yeah. I'm I pretty sure. Surprised, but it's just, the Golden Globes are just such a weird. Well, oh, the weirdest one ever was The Martian. That's like oh, definitively yeah, that a not a comedy. <laughs> yeah. I mean, there's a number of funny moments in it, but that is clearly a science very, fiction drama. Like, very serious. Drama. Like, there's like they call in well, senators a, and the director of NASA. Like, it's not a comedy. No, no, but no, no. It's it's a light film for yeah. being you know. No, no. I as I do think it's serious as it's supposed to be. Yeah. Yeah, but it's it's it's. I remember seeing an interview with Ridley Scott where. He was almost 80, and they asked him about making such a film at this age. He's like, no, it's easy. It's easy. He's like, <laughs> yes. you just get the people together and you shoot it. <laughs> but um, I do think that it's interesting that there are uh, 
you know, I like it's just bizarre to me that the Bohemian Rhapsody and A Star Is Born are in drama because those, like well, I said, other the years. The fact that Bohemian Rhapsody is nominated, I haven't seen it, but it's been like absolutely no. trashed by people. It got well. It has a forty nine on Metacritic last time I looked, but it, audiences love it, and uh, okay. people, most people, I don't think anyone disagrees that Rami Malek doesn't give a great performance. In yeah, that. that's what I've heard. They generally, say, they say that if you do see it, it's worth seeing for his performance, but. I just I sometimes there's movies that come out and I'm like I should see this because it's going to get nominated. Um, I like I said I've seen every single film nominated in the major categories for about the last eight years except for a small handful of films like I never saw Trumbo or The Help. Uh, but I've seen pretty much I think it's like the last whatever year um, Warrior came out I think The Help around that time I've yeah, seen it's like, like 2011 last, something like that. Right. I, I didn't see Trumbo, though. That was one. But it's like when, I, you know, sometimes a film gets nominated and the performance is really good, but the film itself isn't very good. But I still yeah. think I always say I don't care the personal life, the politics, the age, the whether they've been nominated before or they've won a million times. I think it solely should be based on what it's nominated for. Do you agree with me? Yeah. Yeah. Basically. Like, like, like I don't think. Like Martin Scorsese shouldn't have won for The Departed. He should have won two or three times before. And like, I don't think, oh, we should finally, oh, we should just give it to Al Pacino for Scent of a Woman because yeah. he, like it's uh, it's stupid. He's never won. Well, that was like, sort no, of with Christopher Plummer for Beginners. It was just like no one else had a chance that year. Right. And then there's time. Yeah, it seems that often the supporting, both the supporting categories, when it gets to the Oscars, it's you know it's down to like these people are going to win you know it's it's yeah. going to be uh precious with if oprah you know, was ever and... nominated for another supporting actress she'd win it <laughs> right well i mean i like we said we haven't we can't really comment too much on uh, some of these films because we haven't seen them, but there are things that are omissions to me. Uh, the first reformed first um, man I've, didn't get a nomination that's like except for uh Claire Foy yeah. was nominated for supporting actress. Um, it's yeah, like it's, the kind well, of stuff I mean, that like Golden Globes just like eats up. Like Ryan Gosling, and like how would you not get him at the ceremony? <laughs> he kind of nominated yeah. just for that. First Man uh, did not do well at the box office, and it came out a little earlier for the award season. So I think it's. I don't think it's going to get nominated for anything but technical awards. I wouldn't be surprised by that. Yeah, um, and I. I mean, I have no. Boy Race didn't I mean, get a drama. I feel like that's like something that. I mean. They love the buzzworthy sort of movies at these, like, award ceremonies. And, like, something about a gay conversion camp. Like, I feel like, how can that not get nominated? But Well, do you want to start re- re- reviewing the two films we're going to talk about? Yeah, we can go ahead and transition okay. into well, that. As both, neither of them were nominated for Best Motion Picture in Drama or Musical or Comedy. Which is a little right, bit performances. surprising. Yeah, yeah. performances. Yeah, performances. But, um... We can we we had the other week the Liam Neeson double feature even though he's barely in the movies we could kind of group these together as the based on true facts LGBT uh, stories I mean and if you had seen the favorite we could have made it a triple feature because that's also <laughs> one with gay leads that's based on a true story Yeah I just but, uh, caught these two over the ca- past couple days I guess we can start off with Can You Ever Forgive Me It's a little bit lighter of a movie than Boy Erased was. It is uh, Melissa McCarthy plays it was it Lee Israel, who sort of like uh, is down on her luck as a writer. She's writing these biographies that nobody gives a shit about, 
and she decides to use her talents to forge letters that she like goes through an intricate process that the movie details to great extent to make them seem like they're authentic and then she's got a friend played by um uh, richard e grant yes richard e grant who's so excellent in everything that he appears in as the like sort of witty (laughs) british person uh is like his friend who's like an accomplice in it but uh I thought it was a good movie. I, I didn't think it was outstanding or anything like that. But uh, it was very solid. Melissa McCarthy was really good. It was interesting subject matter for sure. It's like the forgeries of personal letters by prominent 20th century like literary characters is a very niche topic. So it's sort of funny to see a movie made about it. But I thought it was really solid. I know you liked it a lot. Yeah, I think it might be the best film I've seen all year. It's like top five for sure. I just thought it was – I remember when one of the Coen brothers once said that one of the top jobs of a director is tone management. And I think this film is directed by a woman named Mariel Heller. Is that how you pronounce her name, I think? Yeah, and she, she directed did, the uh, Diary of a Young mm-hmm. uh, Teenage Girl, and Belle that's a Powell-y, wonderful yeah. film. It's good, yeah. Right. And I just thought this film – was a beautiful blend of being really funny, laugh out loud funny and acerbic and these characters that are really hard to like, but you ultimately do care about them. There is empathy. And I just thought that both Melissa McCarthy and Richard E. Grant were just an amazing, it was amazing casting and they have just incredible chemistry in the film. I, it was just a joy watching them on screen. I love how, Melissa McCarthy. I mean, I really think she is a great actress. She does some of these forgettable comedies that aren't very good. And then she does something like Bridesmaids and Spy, where she's just firing on all cylinders. Oh, yeah. and she's, she's like a, a John really... Belushi level physical comedian. Oh, yeah. She is really one of the most gifted comedic actresses. And this is a comedic role, but it also makes her have dramatic. You have to have dramatic chops for this performance. And I think she's just so perfectly cast. It's very strange to me with. They, they were almost about to shoot this film with Julianne Moore in that Ooh, role. that's weird. And it was originally <laughs> going to be directed by the original screenwriter, Nicole Holofcener, who's done films like Please Give uh-huh. and uh, Lovely and Amazing. And she it ended up not happening like really soon uh, when it was going to shoot. And But I think for the best because uh, Melissa McCarthy is just perfect. And Richard It's e. honestly Grant, hard to imagine someone else in the role after seeing I it. I know. And Julianne Moore, I mean, she, I just can't imagine, I mean, would she have worn a fat suit? I mean, she seems nothing like the <laughs> yeah. character, you know? That seems but, like um, an awards baity kind of role for someone like Julianne Moore. Right. And Richard E. Grant, I mean, as far as I'm concerned off the top of my head, like he should win Best Supporting Actor from what I've seen uh, so far this year. He's just so funny. And he's just, his comic timing is just it's just a beauty to watch. And, and he deserves I don't know. it as sort of like a life achievement award, like we were talking about earlier. Like, it's a shame I mean, he hadn't won one by now. With, like, I mean, with Nail and been... I and The Age of Innocence, like, he's incredible in everything that he's in. I know people will recognize him more recently from being on Game of Thrones, and uh-huh. he's been in Downton Abbey, and he's just, he's one of those actors that have popped up for, you know, over 30 years. Mm-hmm. And he's just so perfect in the film and i just i don't know I, I miss new york city it's a great new york city film and it captures that era it's set in the early 90s it seems so shitty <laughs> like manhattan at the time i love when she has the dead flies on her pillow and she just flicks <laughs> them off and flips the pillow over like i understand that like in new york you just kind of put up with nasty stuff 
And I just thought that it's interesting. I was listening to an interview where they talked about how it's almost radical that this is a like gay film, but like it's almost not ever mentioned directly in the film. It's just like both the lead characters are gay, but it's I, I don't even think of it for, you know, foremost as an LGBTQ film. I don't LGBTQ think of it as film. an LGBTQ film. Like, no, I don't. But that's what it's so it's great like about. It's more like a character study. Right. It's like we got to the point where it's just like that's just who they are. Exactly, and we don't even yeah. have to talk about it. I mean, she has this uh, weird relationship with the book clerk who she doesn't seem – well, with anybody in her life she has trouble connecting to. But yeah. this woman who and seems to want to have – A very strange interaction with her previous uh, – her ex. Which is, right. And she, it just shows you how she has trouble relating to other people. And oh, yeah. I think that Melissa, but what's so great about the film, I think is how unlikable these characters are, but ultimately by the end of the film, you feel bad for her and you, you wanted her to get away with it or you don't. Yeah, want she her almost to- feels like justified in what she does. She's like, hey, you have the talent to do it. Why not get paid for it? And it almost rem- in a weird way reminded me of the producers where it's like, who are they really harming in the end? Yeah, it's illegal. <laughs> yeah. There's, you know, but they're making people happy. And, and she arguably did some of the best writing of her career, forging these letters. I mean, I'm not trying to justify what she did was wrong, but the film makes you uh, feel, you know, you do feel bad for her. And I, I just think it's a wonderful mixture of comedy and drama and biopic and character study and New York film. It just... It just I sat there and I laughed. It was really funny and I just loved the chemistry with the characters and it's not a it, it is a niche subject matter, but it just so envelops you in the story and it's not like they're pulling off some grand heist like in Widows. It's just it's almost the the whole concept is humorous in itself that it's so kind of Well she almost like know, stumbles into doing something illegal. Right. And I just love seeing uh, the the oldest gay bar in New York, Julius's. It's the place where they go and hang out a lot. And I've been there a few times and it's nice seeing locations where I, you know, where I've been around in New York. And I just thought, I mean, it's just one of those films where I understand that it's kind of a quirky story. But it just absolutely worked on all levels for me. And I think it's just, I you know, I don't want to say, you know, this is the best film, my third favorite film, because there's so many I need to catch up on. But as of right now, it's definitely in my top five. And I just thought that it on every level, it just was pitch perfect. So I, I can't recommend it enough. And it, it is a really good uh, crowd pleaser, I think, in a weird way. It's 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 this quirky <laughs> And for film, all ages you, in a weird way. <laughs> right. I mean, I wouldn't take a seven-year-old well, to see it, but if yeah, old enough R-rated ages. Right. But uh, I, I, I thoroughly enjoyed it. Um, and the other film we'll talk about is definitely well, more serious. Uh, I don't think there's to add to Can You Ever film. Forgive Me. It sort of reminded me in tone of Inside Lewin Davis, just about sort of an unlikable lead character and it had this weird sort of muted color palette. And it's people always seem to show New York in the wintertime. Like the trees never and, have leaves on them in New York in the movies. <laughs> and they both have cats. That's very true. That's a connection I didn't even think about. But yeah, it was sort of like that. And when I was watching it, that's just what I thought of. It's like no one ever sets a film in New York in the summertime. It's always like everybody's wearing coats. You always see people wear coats in New York movies. But yeah, I digress. <laughs> the other one we're going to discuss is Boy Erased, which uh, I just actually saw today. 
and is definitely not like a a crowd pleaser probably but not exactly a cheery movie it is about a son of a baptist preacher and his wife who live in arkansas who is sent to gay conversion therapy after a traumatic incident uh at college and i don't know we'll start with you what were your thoughts about it i thought the film was decent but i was not as emotionally overwhelmed by it as i wanted to be i felt like it was a handsomely mounted you know telling of this story but i felt at the end like hmm, okay i i was expected to have a gut punch you know this you know, gay conversion therapy is such a horrific thing. And I feel like the film, it it's almost so detached and muted that I didn't really have too much of an emotional feel. You know, I, I, I wanted to be more emotionally moved by the film, but I thought there were a number of good performances. Uh, the lead actor, Lucas Hedges, is very good. He's uh, had an amazing track record in recent years. He was in Lady Bird and Manchester by the Sea. And I think that Nicole Kidman, as almost always, is really wonderful. I think Russell Crowe's not very good in the film. He's kind of a... It's sort um, of weird that he's in it, honestly. I know. It's one of those performances where it's like the whole film, I'm like, I wonder how much weight he gained. He just seems <laughs> like... It, it, I couldn't ever think of... I, I always was thinking, oh, there's Russell Crowe playing... Yeah, exactly. I almost felt the same way stuff. about Nicole Kidman also. I don't know, but I, Nicole Kidman kind of works for me. She just is so it, – it's like you don't ever – you always remember it's Nicole Kidman, but she's – I mean, she's, she's really showed her range like in this late career sort of surge with Big Little Lies and uh, – Killing uh, of a Sacred Deer. Exactly, yeah, and the uh, – what was it? The Coppola movie she was in with uh, Colin Farrell? The Beguiled. Oh, the Beguiled. Yeah. yeah, and she was in a film that nobody saw about uh, that – the guy did Hedwig and the Angry End. She did a movie, Alien film. Uh, how to sur- uh, what was it? Do you know oh, what I'm how to talk about? to she, Earth I mean, Girls at parties? Was that what? It was? Right, right. Yeah, which is a yeah. weird. I mean, movie. she's had right, but yeah, I think I, you know, but I, I just thought the film was. Um, it's it's like I, I think I mentioned on a previous episode, or I might have just mentioned you off air that uh, imagine Michael Hanukkah doing a gay conversion film like that would have been like Ooh, grueling. Yeah, like this movie doesn't like it wasn't tough enough. It just, like it was almost like too formalistic in its like making. I would have done with some shaky cam or something like that. Like it didn't feel like intimate to me. You know what I mean? It was almost like detached from the subject. Right, and I it it is moving, but in a way that you go, oh, this is moving. You're not actually yeah. moved. You know what I'm saying? Like, oh, he's acting well. <laughs> it's not like oh, right. this is actually emotionally affecting me. Right. And I do. Th- I mean, there are a lot of things that would make me connect to it personally. Not that I ever went to gay conversion therapy, but my family's from Arkansas and I grew up, you know, semi, you know, no, I grew up, I did grow up religious, but uh, there's a lot of things about the film that, you know, I'm, I don't know. I'm a, well, no, I'm not as old as the character. Uh, but he's it not is that a much older piece. than us. Right. But, uh, I just and it has um, Xavier Dolan in it, and that well, who's that um, gay singer? I don't even know how to pronounce his name. The oh, one with the uh, nose piercing, Troy, Troy Sivan. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which yeah, was another um, weird thing was there were a lot of Australians in this movie. I know they take over. I did a in my history of cinema class. I made a list of like twenty of the you know biggest actors working today are all from Australia. <laughs> yeah. It's like Hugh Jackman and. 
Naomi Watts. Well, she was actually Kidman, born Russell in England. Russell Crowe, Joel Edgerton, and then Troy Sivan are all Australian. I know, but um, yeah, it's it's like I would give this one like three and a half out of five. Like it's it, it's I I just. It's it's kind of a typical Oscar film, but in a weird way, it isn't because it's not as emotional and Oscar baity as you would think the subject matter is. But the film is so kind of detached that yeah. I just feel like it. You know, the typical Oscar film would have been more emotional. You know what and I'm saying? And honestly, not a very interesting lead character. Like he was very well, like muted the whole time until like the very end, maybe the last twenty minutes. Right. I think Lucas Hedges is a really um, talented young actor, and he does well in the role, but, uh, yeah, he's a little bit of a boring character. I mean, it's <laughs> like, based on a... <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's based on a real person and, I think, a memoir, but... Yes, my my mom read it. I gave it to her. Okay. But, yeah, I mean, it was good. I'd Three and a half, three stars out of five, I think, is pretty... is a solid sort of rating for it. Um, there were a couple scenes that were, like, sort of devastating like there's one with like a another boy at college that was like oh jesus christ like that's intense and uh can i get real can i get real <laughs> film nerdy with this yeah you can okay so i i don't know we've never said like you should follow us on twitter but uh if you ever have any uh questions like i'm gonna say my email okay i have a point to this okay it's j h winchell my last name w i n c h e l l two three seven at gmail.com and two three seven is a reference to the shining and joel edgerton directed a film called the gift and there is a scene where someone is in the hospital and their room number is two three seven and then this film in the colleges there's something really horrific that the young uh male character is assaulted and they mention that the room is two three seven. Oh, did they really i didn't even pick up on that yeah, I'm almost certain. And Joel Edgerton directed this film as well as The Gift. So there's, I mean, I, that's like going into like a deep, weird nerd rabbit hole of like room number. It's connecting almost to sort of weird that he put that in a movie like this. Like, now I might be like wrong, I, I'm, but I'm almost certain that that's because I know since it's my email and I'm love The Shining, I know that two three seven. Anybody I, mentions two three seven, you just pick up on it instantly. And the fact that it was in his previous film, The Gift, two three seven was the. <laughs> I know, so it's like it's like in The Godfather. Every time there's oranges, someone gets murdered real uh-huh. soon, or something bad happens. But or yeah, it was I the X's um, in a, a Scarface, and the yeah, and then, there's, and then like in Weird Al Yankovic songs, there's a certain number that pops up in a number of his songs. <laughs> but uh, I do. No, I, I mean, I think this. <laughs> well, I do think this film is. It it's good. It, well, I mean. Well, one thing that someone mentioned to me is if this changes anyone's minds, it's worth it. You know, even if the film is not this, you know, landmark, incredibly, you know, or, you know, beautifully. Ma- I mean, it, it, it's like it's it's a decent film, but it's if important it helps subject matter. No doubt about it. Right. I but, almost uh, wish some- that a better movie was made out of something so important. You know who I just randomly thought of? What, you know, this film kind of reminded me of is uh, some of Clint Eastwood's recent films. Like it almost feels like, you know, because you would think, oh, Clint Eastwood have ne- would have never done this film, this subject matter. But I feel like it it has that kind of detached, even the look of the film. It's yeah. in a lot of ways, it feels like a later day Clint Eastwood film where it's very like matter of fact. Yeah. And 
Um, yeah, I, I would have, and I'm not this person at all. I don't like the idea of, oh, a gay filmmaker should have made this. I, you know, an African American director has to do Black Klansmen. I hate that idea. I think that, you know, Clint Eastwood could make Tangerine. You know, I feel like anyone can do any film, but there is a part of me that thinks maybe the film would have worked more emotionally and would have had more of an impact if, uh, the, director was um or the lead actor well no he says that he is on the spectrum (laughs) he said that he said that on ellen i i'm i i'm like um gilbert gottfried has this thing on his podcast where he knows every single person whether they're jewish or not or half jewish if one of their parents are i'm really good about knowing if any celebrity ever is lgbtq of anything like i like if you could throw someone out to me i would say oh yeah they're this i'm pretty good at knowing and he recently said in an interview that well it's that hip thing with younger people they like to say like i don't like to say i'm straight (laughs) sexuality is on a spectrum and i respect that whatever you know whatever floats your boat but yeah he um it's like the same thing with um Josh Hutcherson, he said that, you know, he, he basically said he was straight, but he's like, he's open to being gay if he, you know, was in, you know, whatever. We don't need to go into the well, it's like I don't even know actors. what that would, would mean. That's just like a sort of non-answer to be this like, oh, I'm doing this sort of politically correct thing at this point in time. Like, I'm not discriminating well, I mean, against anybody. Well, I seriously think that in the next few years, it could get to the point where they're not even doing gender, like male and female actor and actress. It's going to get to the point where there's uh, best one lead winner? performance. <laughs> yeah, it's like there's not even going to be categories. It's just like this, the film's – no, but like they're going to nominate best lead, best supporting, and the Oscars might end up going like the Golden Globes and splitting into – you know, because like they have the uh, popular baseball, category yeah. – and oh, what yeah. might happen is, well, I could see that. Well, well, yeah. I mean, they're like the best Black actor Panther, in a movie that grossed over a hundred million dollars. <laughs> yeah, be- best film that actually was in a theater versus streaming because nothing's going to play in theaters anymore. That's that like that could be the future. Streaming movies and theatrical release movies are different categories. I know. It's like it's not really fair to me that a film gets released in like one theater in LA and one theater in New York and plays one week and that gets nominated. And then there's something, you know, it's like what it's like, everything's up in the air now. Like cinema is just totally different. You know, there's, it, it's not like it used to be with, and I'm not saying that it's better or worse. It's just different. There's, I still miss the theatrical experience. Like I didn't, I don't like the fact that I'm going to have to drive all the way to Atlanta to see Roma in a theater. I don't like that. I probably will never but, see Roma in the theater. Right. But, uh, you know, it's the movies, even small movies are better on the big screen. Every movie's better the bigger the screen. I want to see a movie like Tangerine and IMAX. I want to see, uh, you know, Cries and Whispers and IMAX. You know, I like I think I don't think there's any film. Would Boy Erase have been better at IMAX? I think every film is better the bigger the screen. Well, not that the film is better, but the experience is better. I think it's. Um, I think an audience makes almost as much of a difference. I agree. I think comedies are funnier, action films are more exciting, horror films are scarier. Uh, I think everything's enhanced with an audience if you have a good audience. Yes. But I and um, I do think that it depends on how you see a film, what type of audience you. See. That definitely adds to it. I mean, seeing the house that Jack built with a sold-out audience of weirdos and freaks like me. (laughs) No uh, one else is going to see that. (laughs) I know. But 
I yeah. So I I highly highly recommend. Can you ever forgive me? And it was. I mean, good. honestly, boy. I mean, Boy Erased is one that I would say like you should see. It's worth seeing. Well, let me say this. It's like the idea of a film being, oh, this is an important film. You should see it. Schindler's List opens tonight and plays for a week in many theaters for its 25th anniversary. If you haven't seen that, that's higher on the list to me than seeing Boy Erased. I agree with that. I think I'm going to try and go see that in theaters. That's like a movie that will be awesome to see in theaters. Yeah, um, see that in IMAX, but uh, <laughs> yeah, I do. Yeah. That'd be awesome. I, oh, I, I did see it in a really giant theater at the Tribeca Film Festival earlier this year with Spielberg, Liam Neeson, Ben Kingsley, and a few of the other actors in person afterwards. So you sit through a three-hour-plus oh, wow. black and white holiday. And you know what bothered me so much? You know, I that people pulled out their fucking cell phones during. Schindler's List. It's like in Seinfeld when he was making out with his girlfriend during Schindler's List. <laughs> it's like I wanted to, thing. I wanted to go. There's no cell phones in Auschwitz, you <laughs> asshole. You know, I just want, I wanted to just. It's like you can't sit still through three hours. I mean, it is. Just, well, it's the not thing a about boring Schindler, movie at all. I think it's like it. It really it's, well, goes. It, it's got a great momentum to it. I, mean, I know. It, I mean, it's weird to say it's entertaining, but it's it, but it's so watchable. It's, it's so one of the most compelling posting. movies I've ever watched. Like you can't take your eyes off it. Right, but so we recommend to everyone if it's playing in a theater near you, it's st- starting t- uh, Thursday night. It's playing night in a and, lot of theaters. Like, right, it's one of those like Regal, and uh, you know, it's playing at the two Regal theaters in my town. Yeah, it's but a pretty wide anyway, release. It's surprisingly so. But yeah, right. Other movies coming well, out uh, soon. I think if Bill Street Could Talk might be coming out next week. Uh, the favorites yeah, well, going to be playing near me next week. Yeah. Uh, well, I do want to see Roma. I might travel to Atlanta to see it. Uh, we'll be out on Netflix week, so. next Friday. Right. And um, I, I mean, should I mention a few of the other films I saw myself? Things that you're probably not ever going to go see. <laughs> yeah, you um, might as well. I, uh, I saw The Great Buster, which is a documentary by Peter Bogdanovich, uh, director of The Last Picture Show. About Buster Keaton. Moon and, right. Oh, that sounds and awesome. And the interviewers and uh, the people he interviews include Mel Brooks, Werner Herzog, Quentin Tarantino, Bill Hader, um, a, a wide range of talent. And it, it is kind of a glorified DVD extra, but it, oh, and I didn't really? really learn anything. I didn't already know, but it, the it's thing like that makes it worth watching. Well, yeah, but the thing that makes it worth seeing is the interviews, the people, the, you know, the eclectic mix of people that he gets to interview and the clips, especially all the television that he did later in his career. He was on candid camera and did commercials. He was in, uh, the twilight zone and he was on, uh, uh, what's my line? He was on all these oh, shows, and it was really. I had no idea. Yeah, and it was just. Uh, I mean, I'll, 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 you know, it's good to see footage of his classics on the big screen. I mean, One I always of the said great that, faces in all of cinema history. Oh, definitely. I know that. Um, I used to say, since City Lights is my favorite film of all time, Chaplin's film, that Chaplin was the greatest director of the first half of the 20th century. But I might have to say Buster Keaton might be. I would say that Buster Keaton is the best uh, writer, director, actor of the yeah. first half of the 20th century. <laughs> but um, I just, yeah, he's amazing. I, and I wanted to mention that. Uh, did I ever tell you that my father met Buster Keaton in person? Oh, wow. You know you haven't. Yeah. 
Yeah. So my father grew up in Ohio and Buster Keaton was in the production of Once Upon a Mattress, which is the musical of The Princess and the Pea. And Buster Keaton played the king. And my father knew someone that worked at the theater and he got to go backstage afterwards and meet him and shake his hand. And I'm really amazed. Like That's such an incredible thing. The hand that's touched Buster Keaton. (laughs) Right. And I, I was just talking with someone. There was a holiday party at the university I work at, and one of the um, men was saying that he got to see Groucho Marx live at, towards the end of his life. He was going around the country touring, and he got to see Groucho Marx live. And you know, I I guess the closest that I've come is that I got to see Jerry Lewis at the Museum of Modern Art before he died, and he had just turned ninety That's a few days close. earlier. Right. It's like connection but, um, to like a different time, honestly. Like. Early. Maybe I also part of the like 20th I, century seems like such a different time to now. It's crazy. I know. I know that the um, the other one is that I got to see Don Rickles perform stand up about six months before he died, and he uh, that that was really special. And I've all, I mean two that are still alive. I've seen Norman Lear, I've seen him, and I've seen Mel Brooks in person. So they're all and I've and I've seen Woody Allen. He just turned 83 a few days ago. <laughs> But um, yeah, I yeah. So I I'm really happy, and I'm well. I haven't seen him, but I'd love to see Carl Reiner in person. I'm Facebook friends with him. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But uh, not trying to brag. But anyway, I guess we, I don't know even how we got talking about this. But uh, well, well, the great Buster. Awful movies it, you've it, seen, yeah. All right, but the the other one I wanted to mention, um, I saw a movie called Border, which is the Swedish submission uh, for the foreign language film. And, and it's about like a uh, policeman or something, right? It is. It's like the Geico caveman in a pedophile ring police thriller fantasy film. It's very <laughs> weird. Hell? Yeah, it's by the author of Let the Right One In, the amazing Swedish vampire film. And uh, Border, <laughs> it's it's odd. It's very odd. I don't think it's completely successful. I think that. It's one of those films where there's so many different kind of genres and themes that it's playing with at the end. You're like, wait, no, wait, wait, no. The troll people and there's the pedophiles and there's like they're giving birth to the it's, – it's very weird. I can't – like I kind of – I need like to have a, like the police have in, a, uh, in the TV <laughs> the show. Connecting where I, like, the dots yeah, on the yeah. board. <laughs> yeah, right. That's what I need with that. But um, it, it, I give it points for being very original. It's um, striking, and it has really good performances. The lead actress, especially, um, yeah, yeah. So I, I, I can't quite recommend it as being a completely successful film, but it's definitely uh, one of the most original films of the year. It's called Border, and um, uh, it, it's it's playing in select theaters now. But uh, it, like I said, it's the Swedish uh, submission for a foreign language uh, at the Oscars. Swedes up to some wild stuff, it seems. <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, uh, what are we going to talk about next week? What uh, do you want to talk about? We can. I don't know. What's sort of coming out? Well, I guess uh, maybe I might have seen. Well, we should. Well, by we, then. We, we need to see the Green Book uh, if it's, it's going to get. I just love the fact that the guy directed Dumb and Dumber and there's something about Mary and Kingpin is like up next to, you know, Alfonso Cuaron, you know. One thing, uh, what do you think are locks for Best Picture after seeing the Golden Globe nominations? A Star is Born, The Favorite, Roma. Green Book, I think, is a lock. 
I'm pretty sure that both Black Panther and Black Klansman will get nominated, at least for Best Picture. Would Vice? you say they're pretty... I don't know. It's like I, I don't want to even say because they're. Yeah. No, I've I've seen people say they love it, and I've seen people say they hate it. Yeah, um, I think Black Panther and Black Panther are locked in at this point. Uh, I would not be surprised if First Man and Widows did not get nominated. I would. I Widows would be, didn't get nominated I, I would, for a single Golden Globe. Yeah, and um, I do think that uh, I'm. I, you know, the the thing about the Golden Globes is sometimes they're really right. They actually like, sometimes they are. Yeah. Good, like Isabel Hubert won Best Actress for Elle, and that's another thing. Like that's a like really fucked up, but it's a comedy. Like it yeah. is a comedy. It's a like a thriller comedy drama, and like I don't understand the like. But but anyway, the, like the they've not like won, really, like they got that right over the King's and they nominated like uh, one of my favorite uh, films a few years ago was The Deep Blue Sea and Rachel Weitz gave one of her best performances ever and she wasn't nominated for an Oscar but she was nominated for best performance in a drama at the Golden Globes but yes I mean but the the, the problem often is the comedy categories there'll be like these amazing indie <laughs> comedies and then they'll nominate like uh, you know Johnny Depp in Alice in Wonderland or yeah. they'll nominate uh you know, Johnny Depp in The Tourist the same year, which is just like, really? But then the, but then the good thing about splitting up the awards is that more films get nominated. But that, yeah. that's why it's so disappointing that First Reformed wasn't nominated. I'm hoping, I really hope that it, I mean, it is amazing to me that Paul Schrader has never been nominated for an Oscar. He wrote Taxi Driver and I Raging mean, honestly, Bull. Honestly, that is crazy, just in how much yeah, he's been and, involved in. And he just – I think he deleted his Facebook page recently because I can't find it because he got in kind of hot water because did you see that he was saying – he read a script recently uh-huh. and he said that he was dying to cast Kevin Spacey in it. And he says, you know, I don't care. Like he is absolutely perfect for this role and he should be cast in it. Like I don't – like what he did in personal life, it's like that's one thing. But yeah, that he, gets he you canceled. That gets you canceled yeah. real quick. Well, it's like Viggo Mortensen saying the oh, N-word yeah. at – yeah, but like to me, you know, yeah, it, that's one of those things where he, you should have gone, you shouldn't have done that. Move on. Like, yeah. like, like, if there's anyone that wouldn't or would or wouldn't vote for him because of that, it's just like, really, yeah, it's, it's like you silly, know, he, like, honestly, when you gave Kobe but, Bryant an Oscar, you don't have much moral standards, right? And I feel like you know when they nominate, um, you know, Casey Affleck uh, after his being and Kirby, he won. but it's like he. Yeah, and he was the best of the five. I think I was fine to with him. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I don't like when people go. I mean, the way I feel about it is like, don't hire Roman Polanski or Bill Cosby or whoever if you think they're morally, you know, they have problems. But if the film is finished and it's been released, I feel like if they gave a good enough performance, like the performance is there. It's it like speaks for I don't have a problem. Roman Polanski winning Best Director. It doesn't bother me because if it's a great film, you know. Yeah, it's like the pianist yeah, was incredible. It's, it's like don't like don't don't hire him to make a movie. Like, but once the movie's done, it's like the same thing with like. Uh, I mean, this is a different uh, category too. But like, I have no problem seeing Clint Eastwood films. Like, I don't agree with his politics, but he's an amazing filmmaker, and I kind of think it's. You know, I, I feel like it's the same thing if there's some redneck that's like, I'm not going to go see that queer Moonlight movie. And then there's some like gay guy like, I'm not going to go see Clint Eastwood's movie. It's like, it's the same thing to me. It like, is the same I know thing. that's, 
Yeah, it is. And I, it's like I, that that bothers me. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm not going to go see the guy who makes those like uh, anti-Obama, anti-Hillary Clinton documentaries that get like a one on Metacritic because they're, they're not terrible good, films. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but I don't like if I they were really good. I might check it out. Yeah, like I would not have a problem. Like I don't have a problem. Well, it's with like Lenny Riefenstahl's Triumph of the Will. Like awful subject matter, but great, great movie. Yeah, I know. I have a Jewish friend, uh, family friend, who said that he saw the film. And he said I wanted to become a Nazi afterwards. It's that <laughs> you know, you know, That's it's like it's awful. very. I know, but um, I do think that uh, yeah. But I mean, we're going off on a tangent. But the awards, it's like to me <laughs> that was a tangent. <laughs> I know, but I I do think that the, I you know you solely based on the film it's like yeah. i don't think beginners is a very good film but christopher Plummer gives either, a great yeah. performance he's yeah. wonderful in the film every scene that he's in is beautiful and he's so perfect it's like i didn't have a problem with him winning even though i don't think the film's very good and the same thing is like like i okay i never saw norbit but like if the makeup <laughs> is incredible like I yeah. don't mind a film that has like whatever it is nominated for if that's good. Like a film could be terrible and have an amazing score. Like that's I don't think The Hateful true, Eight yeah. is a very I think The Hateful Eight is Tarantino's worst film, but it has an amazing Morricone score and I'm glad he won. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway. Well we'll go we'll uh, we'll <laughs> be talking more about awards. <laughs> I know. So we'll 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 watch some more of the awards uh contenders and talk yeah, about Yeah, A lot them of stuff and... coming out now, honestly. Uh a lot of big stuff coming out. This is an exciting time to be a fan of movies. Most of the best stuff comes out in December. Um, right. And uh, But do catch up. Look at the um, the John Waters had his top ten list. And like oh, me, this is top put, ten list season for sure. The New York Times had their top I, ten list. Yeah. They put four documentaries tied at number one. <laughs> Did they really? Yeah. That's uh, the most New York Times first. thing I've ever heard of, honestly. I know. I know. But um, I love that John Waters put... Bruno Dumont's Jeanette, The Childhood of Joan of Arc. His, oh, you were speaking uh, very highly his, about that one. Yeah, that's in my top five. Like right now, my top five of the year are First Reformed, Black Klansman, Can You Ever Forgive Me, Jeanette, The Childhood of Joan of Arc, and something else. I don't know. I, I really like Leave No Trace. I really like You Were Never Really Here. Um, but like the, those four, Death those of first Stalin, four. I thought was great. Yeah, I, I was high up. And um, I, I mean, there's films that like nobody, nobody saw Jeanette, the childhood of Joan of Arc. Nobody <laughs> yeah, saw. For real. Yeah. But it um, like yes. 100,000 in the US. Oh, it grossed like two dollars. But um, <laughs> it was your ticket I mean, and John Waters ticket. <laughs> I know. But uh, I love that in his uh, blurb, he says that you'll he says you'll hate this movie. It's a most it's a movie that most people would hate. But uh I, I it's on Amazon Prime first reformed yeah. and Jeanette and another one I really like this year Sweet Country very underrated it has like an 87 on Metacritic like one of the highest rated films of the year came out nobody saw it barely got released Australian film Sam Neill's in it uh-huh. um, wonderful movie yeah so that random recommendations we're totally t- going off on <laughs> yeah, this sort of off the rails um, episode but yeah thanks for listening yeah. along to us it's not very long at least uh yeah. Thanks for listening, and uh, we'll be back with you next week.